Another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. We've been talking about nothing is impossible and starting our year off with that understanding and that mentality. And like I said in the promo there, the difference between you doing something and making, having, accomplishing great things in your life and not is simply your mentality. Now, I know what they told you. They told you somebody can hold you down. They told you if somebody, you know, at work doesn't like you, they can keep you down. Let me tell you something. Nobody can keep you down if you have the right mindset. With God, nothing is impossible. They can't stop you. Come on. They want to stop you, but they can't stop you. Have you ever stopped to think, who is they? Amen. <laughs> you ever hear people say that? They don't, they don't want you to have this word. They don't want you to get this word. But tell you what, the enemy doesn't want you to have it. Because if, I, if God can change your mentality to understanding this, beyond, thinking beyond limitations, nothing's impossible for you. Because the things that God has for you come from an impossible, a God of impossibilities. And he gives us his Bible so we can get familiar with our ancestors, our, 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 our family of faith, so you can see how your cousin David did it when he, when he killed Goliath. So you could see how your primo Gideon did it with 300 men, went in there and overtook the Philistines. So you could see how Mary, in the face of, of, of judgment from her community and being stoned, could believe that she had a baby without, being, without sleeping with a man. See, that's our family of faith. That's where we come from. That's how we roll. See, I know you think you, you claim in a street or a neighborhood, but let me tell you, you go further beyond than that. Your people, your ancestry are a people of faith, a people that do impossible things. Abraham and Sarah having a baby when they were way up in age, okay? Think about that, a 90-year-old woman having a baby. No, no, don't think about it too long because it's kind of nasty. But it happened. It happened because they chose to believe God. And you could go on and on. How did 12, the Bible says 12 unlearned men turn the world upside down because they had a, a mindset of impossibilities. And we've got to get back to that type of faith in our, like our ancestors because now we live in a realm of limits. And there are people that tell you, you can't get ahead because you're from South Sacramento. You can't get ahead because you're from this country or have that background or my people are this and nobody in my family ever stays married and all my, all my people that I come from get divorced and all this. Listen, all that stuff doesn't matter if you can wrap your understanding around the fact that with God, nothing is impossible. And that's what I'm trying to really just hammer inside of your mentality so that every time you come up against the limit, that thing will pop up in your spirit. When you have a dream and then somebody comes and says, oh, you can't do that, you could say, no, no, no. But with God, nothing is impossible. When you start being faced with challenges in your marriage and it, don't think, it doesn't look like you're going to make it, doesn't look like you guys are going to come out of that, with God, nothing is impossible. Are you with me today? 
So Matthew 17, 20 through 21 drops something on us today. And I, I want to uh, transition into this a little bit. It says this. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, let me stop right there. Let me give you the context of this scripture here. What has happened is he has sent out the disciples into the highways and byways to go out and preach the gospel. And anytime, uh, actually to preach the kingdom of God is what they preached. And every time they went out to preach the kingdom of God, deliverance is always a part of the kingdom of God. And so they came across a, a, a family with a young boy that had a demonic spirit. And for some reason, with all the different miracles that, that, that they were doing at their hands, they ran across a situation that they could not overcome. Now, how many have ever had situations rise up like that? Sometimes you'll be going in life and, and barriers are falling, 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 but you're going to hit that one area that it seems like will not budge. Every believer has, will experience that if you haven't already. There have been things that we've done as a church that have come pretty easy. There have been levels that I've, I've been through as a man of God and with my family that we were able to overcome pretty easy. But then there's those ones that just like the disciples came across where they came to Jesus and they said, man, we can't get past this. And Jesus's advice to them is, and he calls it out. He says, you can't get past this because there's unbelief in your heart. Now, we've got to remember unbelief is something that we all have in our hearts and we need to work to get it out. And there's one way we get unbelief out, and that is through replacing it with faith. And the Bible is very clear that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now, here's the key. It comes by hearing, not having heard. The act of hearing is consistent. It's constant. My faith is never built because I heard a message. My faith relies on what I am hearing, 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 constantly hearing. Not just I heard at church on Sunday, but Monday, I got to be hearing it. Tuesday, I got to be hearing it. Wednesday, I got to be hearing it because my faith relies on what I'm hearing. And this is why some people cannot break free at the level of life they're at because they are not hearing the right things. They're hearing unbelief. They're hearing doubt. They're hearing sin. They're hearing live in compromise. They're hearing it doesn't matter. God understands. They're hearing all the wrong things because they're not hearing the word of God. And when you don't hear the word of God, the unbelief in your heart can't come out. And so there are going to be things that you face in life that are going to be immovable barriers, so to speak, kind of like a mountain. A mountain is an immovable barrier in most cases, so much so that even with technology, nobody moves mountains when they build railroads or they build roads. They either go over mountains or they go through mountains. Jesus takes it a step further and he says, hey, we can move mountains. Now, what does that signify? It signifies situations in your life that seem 
unmovable or unchangeable. Things that you've tried for years to overcome, that addiction, that behavior, that hard-headedness, that stubbornness. Come on, somebody, look straight ahead. Don't nudge your husband right now. Just look at me, and you'll get out of here safely. Those are the things God is saying, hey, if you believe in your heart, you can move any unmovable thing. And he goes on to say from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So he gives them that key. He gives them the key of faith. The key of faith is something, again, that comes from hearing the word, which is why we get out of bed on a Sunday and be in an atmosphere like this where the presence of God can manifest and his word can penetrate our hearts so that we can have something that during the week we are hearing inwardly. So we can have things during the week that we can confess with our mouth and speak to ourselves. And let me tell you something. If you have not yet learned how to conquer the area of self-talk, you better start working on that. Self-talk is not a psycho um, gobbledygook that counselors and, and people try to tell you to do. It is the language of faith. That when I get up in the morning, I should look in the mirror and I should say the right things. Instead of going, oh, gosh, what happened to me? Oh, Lord. Resist that. I say, I look good. Father, I thank you. I speak by faith. I'm getting younger and younger. You will renew my youth in my elder. See, you got to say the right things because faith comes by hearing. See, some of you go into work based on that voice that you heard looking in the mirror. Ooh, uh, I'm getting old. You keep saying you're getting old. Guess what? You're getting old. They say, oh, pastor, but you can't resist that. You can resist the process of it. And the Bible even says he can renew your youth in your old age. For he who believes that. And I'm going to keep believing that. Come on, somebody. So what are you saying? What do you speak? So Jesus gives us that key. And the disciples had been doing it. They'd been out there dominating things, seeing deliverance, healing the sick, preaching the kingdom, all these things. But they came across this one thing. And let me tell you, some of you have come across that thing. Others of you, you'll face it later. But you need to understand and hear this word. So Jesus builds them up. And he says, hey, all you got to do is get rid of the unbelief, put faith in your heart, and you can move mountains. But then he says this, however, that's a huge however, right? That's a huge statement right there. He says, however, even though all that is true, he says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And there's going to be things as you walk out this impossible life, as you walk out and try to accomplish impossible things through Christ who strengthens you, there are some things that are going to come quite easy. There are going to be some things that your faith will knock down. And there will be other things that won't go as easy. Now, thank God he doesn't leave us at that place. He gives us another weapon to accomplish impossible things. And, and what that thing is, he says here, is prayer and fasting. You need to hear me today. Prayer and fasting. There's a lot that your faith in God can do. There's a lot that your confession can do. There's a lot that your right living can do. But there are some things 
some kind of things that will only go when you learn how to pray and you learn how to fast. There are things, there are levels in life that you'll get to. And if you're not careful, if you don't have an understanding of these things, they'll put a ceiling over you. And you'll be one of these people, and I meet them all the time when I'm counseling. Oh, I've been trying that. I tried for years. I'm just tired. But you know what? Maybe you've been trying, but have you yet realized and identified that there are this thing here won't come out except through prayer and fasting? And we got to get this because we live in a day and age in America where we're not seeing, we're seeing people uh, get locked into limits. I don't want to get locked into limits. And you shouldn't want to get locked into limits because what is on the other side of limitation is your promise. So let me take you now over to Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. It says this. This is the foundation of our faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I love that statement. You should learn that statement. You should have an understanding of what your faith is. Faith is basically your receipt for something that's on its way. I said faith is evidence that you purchased something and it's on its way. See, we are a generation that should understand this like nobody else. Because we are a generation of Amazon Prime. How many know what I'm talking? Anybody ever use Amazon Prime? Now, see, the old school heads in here. Come on, I'm just going to call you out for a minute. Old school heads don't trust nothing. Anybody have a grandma that won't use an ATM? Mijo, I'm not going to trust that thing right there. I'm not going to put my information. They're always just distrusting. They think everything's a scam and everything's going to rip them off and stuff like that. So that generation doesn't understand what I'm talking about here. But the gener- your generation, this generation, the generation of Amazon Prime, we get it. Because you'll go on Amazon Prime, which is a website for some of you that don't know this. Come on into the, the 2018. Come on in. It's not 1980 no more. Come on. When you go online, I heard somebody there. Hey, wake up. Wake up. When you go online on Amazon and you see something you want to purchase, You click the button, you put your card information on there, and it sends you a receipt. How many have ever done Amazon before or any kind of online shopping thing? And it sends you a receipt to your email account, and that receipt says you have purchased such and such. And you close that computer, and you are so happy. You're excited that you got your new whatever it is. And you can't wait for it to come in the mail. You close that thing and you're like, praise God, I can't wait to, for that to come. And, and, and Because here's what it says. The receipt says it's already yours. It's just on the way. And Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that your faith is evidence of things that you don't see. So when you understand that and you understand that faith is believing and speaking, you can read it in the sense of now believing and speaking is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things I do not see. So the evidence that it's coming and it's on the way is my, my confession, my believing and speaking. So you know what I've been believing and speaking for eight years? A new church building. 
Do you know how I know it's out there? Because my confession is the receipt. I already have it. It's like I ordered it on Amazon Prime. The shipping's just taking a little long. But it's coming. My, you say, how do you know? I have a receipt. What's your receipt? My confession. The fact that every day I speak it. The fact that every day I go by the location and I call it in. That's the evidence that I have it. Now, should I ever stop that, I can lose my receipt. Have you ever lost a receipt and tried to return something? That's when you thank God for Walmart, because we always pick on Walmart. But Walmart will take back things without a receipt. Come on, give God some praise for Walmart. Father, we just thank you for Walmart. But if you've ever lost a receipt, you understand that and you had ordered something, but you can't produce a receipt. You very well could lose the thing that you purchased if you can't show that receipt. And so many times, how many times have we lost things that we were believing for because we lost the receipt? We just stopped believing for it. We quit speaking. We got tired of speaking. Pastor, I'm tired. You can't get tired. Come on, I've been tired since 1989. Get over it. It's just a part of life. You can't get tired when you're trying to obtain the promises. You got to keep going. And so our faith, our confession is evidence that it's there. So here's the thing. Some of us have not been activating our faith and you have no receipt for stuff. And you just believe in for things. Well, if it's God's will, how many of you ever heard that religious term? That's a term that comes from people that don't read the Bible. You want to know why? Because the Bible is God's will. Anything I need to know about the will of God is in that Bible. So when you don't know something is the will of God, read your word. Read your word. And there are things in there he'll tell you that are yours. It's his will for you to prosper and be in health. That's 1 John 1. It's his will. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. Is the thing I'm believing for, my business, my breakthrough, my marriage, is that going to help me prosper and be in health? Then it's the will of God that you have it. Now, I know that's a very general thing. It might come in his time. It might not be when you want it. It might not be how you want it, but it'll come. But see, understanding the will of God is dependent on your understanding of the word. Now, let's keep going here. So my faith, now my confession, my believing and speaking is substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. It's my receipt. It's my receipt. So it's important that I don't lose my receipt because it's proof that I have it. So what are you believing for in your life? Can you show me your receipt? Your receipt is what you say. So when we talk, instead of complaining on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, stop doing that and start understanding my words matter. My language matters. This is one thing I learned at this conference is we're talking about legal things. Language makes all the difference. 
if I were to get sued or you're to get sued, language would matter about what they would be able to go after. We learned a whole thing on that. It was incredible. But it also applies in the spirit. And that's why you've got to start dominating the area of self-talk. We all have an inward voice. We all have a CD, a drive that is playing inside of us. And for some of you, it's not playing things you like. That's why you can't stand quietness. That's why there's some people in here, you got to fall asleep to a TV or to the radio because you don't like what silence brings to you. Silence, when it's silent, we begin to hear this other CD playing in our subconscious. You shouldn't be doing this. You're not good enough. You're not going to make it. You'll never be a success. Remember where you came from? Remember your family? You don't even have a dad. Now, how are you going to do this? You're going to fail. See, people, instead of dealing with that, will drown it out. They always got to have noise on. Always got to have a radio, TV, something like that. Did you know they did studies of people that make over six figures a year and those that make under? And, you know, one of the most astounding things they found in a household of poverty is there's always a device on. Always a TV on. Always a radio playing. Come on, just look straight ahead. He said, Pastor, you've been to my house. What's going on here? Feeling kind of weird. But what they found is different about those that are making millions and making six figures is that they value silence. And I believe the reason they value that, I was in a conference with one of the richest men in the world back in the 90s. And, and he, he was giving out gems, man. And, and he said, listen, this is one thing. If you grasp this, it'll change your life. He said, learn to sit in silence. Because that's where vision comes from. What's the one thing the majority of us are trying to get rid of? Silence. Listen, if you don't like being alone, you've got to deal with that. You got to deal with it. I know some people, they hate being alone. I get it. It's, it's a hard thing. And bless your heart, it might be because of trauma. It might be because of terror. It might be because of past experiences. But you got to understand what the enemy is continuing to steal from you from those traumatic experiences is vision and the voice of God. And we've got to be careful of those things. We've got we've to put those things in its place because those things can serve a purpose. Sound and TV. You know, sometimes I come home, I just got to get in front of the TV because I want to escape somewhat of what I've been carrying all day. You know, one of the things I like to do as a pastor, I like to watch movies. Because, see, you got to understand, my job I don't clock in and out of. I carry y'all with me 24-7. And in the midst of carrying your stuff and believing for your successes and believing for your victories and your breakthroughs, my wife and I still have to be there for our kids and for each other. And sometimes that button doesn't exist where I can click it all off and just, you know, be in the now. And sometimes movies or television, I can can lose myself for two hours in thinking of something that doesn't affect me at all and just get involved in in a story. But you can take that over into a place to where you're just escaping the inner voice that is inside of you. My brothers and sisters, we have to learn that faith comes by hearing, but not only hearing a message, hearing the right things internally. 
And the only way that CD is going to get changed out, you got to start putting in a new one. And when you understand how the brain works and you understand how, how the mind begins to work, the mind, if you've ever seen uh, uh, you know, National Geographic shows, if you ever study it in, in school, in science class, it has these neuro branches. I've talked about this before. That when you take on a thought, it creates a squiggly line like a branch. And that branch begins to stay there. And the more you think about that thing, the branch gets stronger and stronger. And this is why it's a problem when you watch pornography. We live in a day and age where we're seeing people getting in all kinds of trouble sexually, can't control their urges. Some of the stuff they're playing on the evening news that guys are doing, I'm like, what the heck? I mean, what's going on with that? But you know how it starts? A neuro thought, a neuro branch. It just kind of goes out and they keep watching it keep thinking about it. It gets stronger and stronger. It creates a desire. It creates an urge. It creates an action. And pretty soon we're in trouble. That's how it works in the negative realm. This is why parents, you got to govern your kids. I'm not even trying to go into this, but somebody needs to hear this right now. Some of you, and you know, not everybody's a good parent. Mm, I know that's not popular to say on a Sunday morning. I'm trying to make you feel good, but you got to understand this today. One of the things that separates a good parent from a bad parent is understanding it's your responsibility to create boundaries for your kids. That's your responsibility. That's not your teacher's responsibility. That's not the principal. That's your responsibility. Especially for teenagers. Especially for young adults. It's your responsibility to make sure you're guarding what kind of neuro branches are being made in their life? And the parent gives their son or daughter a phone and never checks it. And you just expect him to know better not to go on them sites. He's a kid. She's a kid. She's curious. That's all it is. Doesn't mean they're evil. They're hearing about it from their classmates. They're hearing about it from people around school. They're going to want to be curious, but see, that's where as a mom and a dad, you can't be with them all the time, but you sure can be with them some of the time. And you could set up some boundaries and understanding that, hey, you can't be on your phone past nine o'clock. Oh, that's not fair. Get over it. Come out of the room when you're done crying, because that's the rule, mijo, because I love you, because I care about you. It's amazing how many of us forgot what it was like being young when you were your age, when you were their age. Think about how deceptive you were. Oh, come on, somebody. Some of you, I don't want to think about that's, that's that voice, Pastor, I'm trying to get rid of. That's a sidebar. This isn't even going with my message, but somebody needs to hear this. And, and some young person needs to understand when your parents are putting boundaries on you, they love you. They love you. And you could cry, you can moan, but mom and dad need to love you and they need to put some boundaries. Ain't nobody, no young person needs to be on a phone at 11 o'clock at night. Because if nobody told you, the freaks come out at night. (laughs) Houdini never lied, right, right? That's what I'm saying. The freaks come out at night. Some of you hit that, dang, 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 dang. 
It's true. It's a prophetic song right there. That's a whole other thing. But parents, you need to catch that because things are being created in our thoughts. Now, that's the, that's the dark side of it. What would happen if you could create right things with your mind? Here's what can happen, and it can happen. Those things then create urges for the right, desires for the right, patterns for the right, beliefs for the right, faith for the right. So when you get up every day and you look in the mirror and you begin to say, I can, I can dominate my day. I could beat this addiction. I can be all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Nothing is impossible. When you start declaring those things and you come across boundaries and borders and things like that, you can then begin to see that what you've put in your mind can now manifest in your life. But it takes one thing to be able to do that in your life. You got to get rid of laziness. Got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of prayerlessness. And you got to understanding, have a proper understanding of what faith is. Faith is acting on God's word. Faith is confessing his word, believing and speaking. Let's keep going. I'm only on the first sentence here. And so it's, uh, keep, put it back. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's your receipt. Here we go. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the world was framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. You know what it's saying right there? It's saying that the way we frame our world is by our words. So don't tell me words don't matter. Get rid of bad language. Get rid of cussing and that kind of mess. Renew your mind to that stuff because the world is framed by words. And you walk into the office and you're like, oh, how was your week? My, my, my weekend was effing great and blah, 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 and this and that. You're framing your life with garbage. It's what the word says. Because the way, remember, where do we come from? We are sons and daughters of God. We have his DNA. He created the world by his words. You will create the world that you and your kids live in by your words. That's why it's crazy when parents cuss at their kids. It's crazy. What are you framing in them? Believers, Christians. It's crazy. Use your words. Words matter. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. You want to know what your future is going to look like? Look at the words you're speaking about it. Your words frame it. What kind of world do you want to live in in five years? Start framing it now. Before I ever got married, I framed that world with my words. Eight years I was single on a Friday night. Instead of crying, I would walk my bedroom floor. Father, I thank you. You got a woman for me. And I'm in a place here in Florida where I don't see women like the one I want. So, Lord, you're going to have to send her, and I believe you will. I had a receipt, and then God sent her. And I love what I love about God is he gives me more better than I could ever have dreamed of. And I mean that. My wife's helping right now me take care of my mom. I got to move away from Cheeto over here. Come on. (laughs) Somebody put Cheeto in the bathroom over there. (laughs) But she's helping me take care of my mom and doing things that, man, I could never have imagined meeting somebody with that kind of grace and care But God, according to John 10, 10, gives us greater things than we could ever dream of. 
But you know what it starts with? It starts with a confession of faith. And this is why the enemy is just trying to pound junk on top of you. He's trying to discourage you at every turn. He's trying to put stuff on you so he could steal your confession of faith and get you saying things like, oh, it'll never happen. We'll never do it. We'll never own a house. These, this market is crazy right now. Oh, my gosh. You go out and you, you try to get a house and you see the prices, you get discouraged. No, you got a receipt. Start holding. Father, you're going to do a miracle. Nothing's impossible for my family to own land. Nothing's impossible for me to start this business. See, your confession is their evidence of what you believe. But you got to start saying the right things instead of saying the wrong things. Are you tracking with me today? It's your words that frame it. Now, keep going. By faith, we understand. No, no, go back, my brother. All right. By faith, he's excited. That's all right. I'm with you. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Can you see my words? No. Words are invisible. But it's the very thing that creates what we see. Y'all need to catch this. Y'all need to catch this. What is it you want in life? What is it you're believing for? Begin to frame it with the word of God. That is what faith looks like. Faith looks like the things you speak. It's the receive. Faith looks like how you live. You can see my faith by watching my actions because another definition of faith is acting on God's word. You know what my faith is that I believe? You know how you can know that I believe that God will supply my needs is you can look and see my tithe. My offering is evidence that I believe that my God shall supply all my riches in glory, all his by his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I believe that because I act on that and I give. Some people say they believe that, but they can't give. You don't believe that. Your faith is proven by what you do. Your faith is proven by what you say. Are you with me today? Let me keep going here because this is important as we're talking about prayer and fasting. So, so uh, uh, go ahead, put the next part up there. So by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and through it, he being dead still speaks. For by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death but was not, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch is the only man that they've never found his body because he never died. He was, went out for a walk one day with God, and God says, why don't we go over to my place? <laughs> Crossed over into eternity by faith, by his actions of pleasing God. Now, I need you to catch this because as I've been talking about in, in, in doing the impossible, I've been challenging us all on living right. The Bible says that godliness has great gain. Now, I know in an age of grace, we've lost sight that what you do in the natural matters because we've said things like, well, God understands. Well, his grace covers me. But listen, the Bible says godliness has great gains. And it also gives us evidence here that the fact that Enoch was able to walk with God was because he pleased God. And when you read the New Testament, you understand there are things that express love to Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 
I like to say it like this. The love language of Jesus is to do what he says. The love language of Jesus is to do what he says. Does everybody understand love languages? It's a book by Gary Chapman. If you haven't read it and you're married or you want to get married, you need to read it. Because the preference of this book is this. All of us receive love different ways. And sometimes because I receive love by giving or by getting gifts, I take that as love. And then I go over to Pastor Tina and I try to express to her the way I receive love, which is by getting gifts. And she's not impressed by that because what expresses love to her is quality time. So I give her no quality time, but I'm giving her gifts and the love is not connecting. I'm like, man, doesn't even seem like she likes it. Man, it's not even, I'm not getting the response I need. It's because you're not speaking her love language. So I'm over here dropping all these expensive gifts on her, and she's just like, oh, this is great, thanks. But then I take a day off of work, and I say, babe, surprise, I'm taking you to the bay. We're just going to have a good time together. And she breaks down crying, oh, my God, thank you so much. Oh, this is so great. Before we go, let's go into the bedroom for a while, okay? <laughs> See, then some of you got it. Oh! That's why I had to share that. I wasn't trying to be funny. Some of you needed to see that's that, the road there. So that's the love language. But for others... You're taking a day, baby, I got to take a day off. What? Why are you just taking days off? We, need, we got rent coming up. She's not impressed by that. Her love language is something different. Words, encouragement. You know, there's a whole set of the five love languages. And they read the book. But when you understand that, you understand now, well, what's Jesus's love language? His love language is when you do what he says. He ain't impressed by just church attendance. He ain't impressed with just good works. Are you, does your, when we look at your life, are you living your life according to how he says to live it? That's why I've been challenging folks that are just living together and not married. Listen, it's not a judgment thing. It's not like, you know, oh, you're bad. You're going to hell. No, you know, we don't believe that. We love everybody at the level they are at. But if I don't teach you that there's a greater way to do this because I'm afraid that you might get hurt by that or it's going to make you feel some kind of way, listen, then I'm not doing my job. I'm preaching about the and, and trying to encourage you, man, get things right. Quit sleeping with your boyfriend. That's not because I'm trying to just tell folks how they live. Listen, I got five in my house. I'm just worried about how we trying to live. I'm really not in the business of trying to tell folks how to do life. But I am in the place of trying to help you obtain the blessing of God for your life. That is my job. And so part of that is right living because your right living is evidence that you believe in Jesus. And it is also the greatest way to express love back to him. The way you live is the response to his goodness. Remember, his grace comes on you, saves you in the condition you're in. He doesn't want anything of you. He gives you unconditional love. Now, this is our opportunity to give back. How do I give back to Jesus? I read the word and do what he tells me to do. And I stop doing the things that I used to do that he tells me not to do. See, we get into this thing of all God, it's all, God understands. No, what he understands is you're not expressing love back to him. 
Now, here's the great thing, though. Even if you don't express love back to him, he still loves you. But blessing many times, the blessing that he's already given you is activated in the, the earth realm by what you do in the physical realm. Remember on the cross, he said, it is finished. What did he say? I give you the keys to the kingdom. He's given us everything already. How do we access it? Obedience. What is obedience? Love to Jesus. And so when you read this scripture here and it says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. He pleased God so much. He expressed love to God so well that God just took him home. Just took him home. This is before Jesus, man. This is way back. So keep reading. But without faith, it's impossible. Here it is. It's impossible to believe him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me read that part again. But without faith, it's impossible. Without believing and speaking, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They read it again. But without faith acting on God's word, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It's your faith. It's, the, it's your obedience to God's word that is evidence of the things that you believe in your heart. Are you tracking with me today? So then it says this, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. He who comes to God must believe that he is. It is no surprise and it never shocks me. And you should know this, that one of the greatest struggles in the Christian walk is building a prayer life. The prayerlessness level in westernized churches in America is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's crazy the average time that people spend with God on a daily and weekly and a weekly basis. <clears throat> They've done polls, and I never give too much credit to those polls because people lie. Somebody comes and asks you, hey, how's your prayer life? Good. <laughs> There's no way you're going to get straight answers from most people on that kind of thing. But let's not worry about those people. Let's not worry about them. Let's worry about the people in this room. Let's worry about you. If you struggle with a prayer life, we've got to change that. Because you cannot defeat impossible situations and circumstances without having some strength in your prayer life. And we're seeing it all the time. Marriages that shouldn't fail, failing. Kids that have been raised in the house of God falling away. Situations in life not being able to overcome. Many times it's because, like Jesus said, this kind comes out only through prayer and then fasting. And we'll talk about fasting later. But look at this. The evidence, but without faith is impossible to please him. But if you come, for he who comes to God, God has to first believe that he is. Prayer is your receipt. Spending time with God is what defines what you believe about him. And if you're just real honest with yourself, those of us that have a hard time in prayer and have weak prayer lives, maybe you're not believing the right things about your God. 
Because here's what Hebrews says. He who comes to God must first believe that he is. Evidence that God is big in your life is found in the amount of time that you spend with him. It's the receipt. Do you believe in that God is big? Do you believe that God can do impossible things with your life? Yes, and the time I spend with him is my receipt. But if I don't spend time with him, here's what that says. If my prayer life is weak, here's what that says. I really don't believe what pastor's preaching. I really don't believe this Bible. I really don't believe it because I think that without prayer, I'm going to be okay. See, because if you really believed in the greatness of God, you would spend time with him. Ask anybody that has a prayer life. We spend time with God. I spend time with God because I know that's where the answers are. That's where the grace is. When it's tough, I got to get into the presence of God. That's the only thing that'll get me through. So when people skip over prayer and they just go to church, you're missing out on something. You truly don't believe that he is who he says he is. Because if you did, you wouldn't complain about life. You wouldn't cry about life. You'd go get into his presence. Some of you need to start exercising in the physical realm what you say you believe in the spirit. I believe in God. Give evidence to it by spending time with him. Have you ever noticed how many times prayer can be hard to do, which is why people don't do it? Prayer can be difficult, which is why we don't do it. We don't not pray because we don't love God. We pray because when we get in there, it's difficult sometimes. What is that? It's called resistance. Resistance from the physical realm. The physical realm hates prayer. So it shouts at you in, in prayer. You go in to pray, you start, you start feeling heaviness. Ah, I'd rather be watching TV. Ah, I'm so tired. You ever notice how tired you get when it's time to pray? If you got insomnia and you can't sleep at night, try praying. You'll be, you'll be asleep in five minutes. I can't sleep. Go into the living room and start praying. You'll, you'll fall out in five minutes. The, the natural realm fights against this spiritual exercise because it's taking place in the natural realm. And this is why when you approach prayer, you can't do it weekly. You got to approach prayer from a place of strength. Are you tracking with me today? I'm helping somebody. I'm going to let you go. You've got to approach prayer in the sense of understanding how important it is because this kind of immovable thing that you're going to face or are facing in your marriage, in your finances, in your business cannot go out except through prayer and fasting. But not the kind of prayer that you just do one time. The kind of prayer that you do all the time. And he that comes to God must first believe that he is. And here's the second part. 
and that he is a rewarder. Many of us believe that Satan rewards you more than God. That's the dumbest thing you could ever think. Get rid of that. You know, when I was coming up, they were always talking about rock musicians, and they do it now with this Illuminati thing, and they see somebody successful, and they go, oh, he's successful because he sold his soul to the devil. Like Satan's the one handing out blessings. And God's over here making us all poor and broke. And some of us, we laugh, but you believe that in your head. Because you've even said, man, when I wasn't going to church, money was just flowing in. That was still God loving you into the kingdom. Don't get it twisted that that was Satan keeping you there. Satan is not in the, uh, the business of blessing people. God blessed you when you was a joker. God blessed you when you was doing dirt. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings man to repentance. Why do we think, oh, if I don't serve God, I could be. Some of you even said that. If I just quit doing this, I could go back and do my thing and I'll be blessed. Like Satan's waiting for you to come back home. Here, my son, here's blessing. You are dead wrong. And you've been playing footsie with the devil and you don't even know what you're doing. The goodness of God. Look at he that comes to God must believe that he is and understand. And this is church. If you understand this, you'll run to his presence. He's a rewarder. Think of it like this. Every time you get in his presence, there's a reward. Now, don't get it twisted. It's not a works thing. The reward is already there. You don't have to work for it. You just got to do certain things in the natural realm to get what's already been given. It's called obedience. It's not a works thing. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this before I talk about prayer and fasting is because the American church has made prayer and fasting a religious work. And when you approach prayer like it's your qualification to be spiritual, you lost. You lost. I don't want religious prayer warriors here. This ain't the church for that. There's plenty of places you could go and flaunt your spirituality by the amount of hours you get in the presence of God. Hours in the presence of God don't impress me. Faith in the prayers that you pray impresses me. Because when you really are in the presence of God, you tell nobody. If I got to tell you how many hours I've been praying, that person probably ain't ever ain't doing it. These folks that get on Facebook, ah, just fasting for the Lord this week, taking a picture of their vegetables on the, putting that out there. The Bible says that's pharisaical. You know what he said? Jesus said this, don't fast like the Pharisees. Because when they used to do it, they'd go on to the streets. Fasting today, watch out. Same thing you're doing, just using Facebook. And here's what he said about the Pharisees when they did that. He said, you got your reward, but expect nothing else beyond that. What was their reward? People actually thought they were spiritual. People will think you're spiritual when you're like that. But that's all you're getting. I'd rather nobody know I'm spiritual and get blessings from God. So that's why I'm taking the time before I get into prayer and fasting, because the religious mind loves to talk about prayer and fasting, because now it's my works. 
I could prove my love by God by my works and I could get in there and I'll be at all the prayer meetings and I'll be all that. You know, I'm 25, 27 years in ministry. I've been in churches, so many churches and seen that. And sometimes the people that claim to pray the most, their lives are jacked up the most. Why is that? Because they approach it from the wrong place. They approach it from the place of of praying to be something rather than being something and taking it to prayer. Some of this going over your head, but you need to catch this. So he that comes to God's got to believe in him. And that is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When you come into his presence, he's not waiting there with the cinto. Come on. He's not waiting there with a chancla. He's not waiting there to just, ooh, I know what you was thinking the other day when you walked by that girl at the office. Ooh, I saw you. I saw the way you did this. That's not what he is. He's a rewarder. When I come into his presence, no matter if I'm coming in there with sin all over me because I had a tough week, you know what he does? He grabs that jacket of grace and he throws it on me, covers me, And I might stumble in there like, God, I'm so sorry. I've blown it. He just comes by his presence and takes me. Just like we see in the story of the prodigal son. The son that left his father and went and, and, and partied and did all that. The Bible says the father saw him afar off, ran over to him, no questions asked, threw a robe on him, put the ring, the signet ring, and gave it to him and threw a party for him. Didn't even let the guy say anything. Didn't even let his son apologize. He didn't need an apology. It was an expression of the father's love for us. He is a rewarder. So the question is then this. When our prayer lives are weak or non-existent, it's probably because, number one, our faith level in God is not high. And number two, you just don't get how good and how great of a rewarder that God is. He's waiting for you in his presence. And when I think about getting into the presence of God, I think about God waiting for me on his throne with gifts to give me. Something to take away my depression. Something to take away my discouragement. An answer for a problem that I've been carrying all week. A solution to something. So when I'm thinking about I got to get in the presence of God to pray, that's what I see. Because his word tells me he's a rewarder. I would have to be semi, I would just have to be dumb to not want to run into that presence. And after this message today, I pray that I'm wetting your appetite for his presence. Because you got to quit running to other things when what you need is, is, is in the presence of the God you say you believe. But understand this, he's a rewarder. Jesse, come and help me on the keyboard. He's a rewarder. Now, he's a rewarder means I need to get into his presence, not be afraid of it. And understanding this, I'm not good without it. See, some of y'all are deceived. You think you're cool not spending time with God. It's cool. You know what? It's cool in the sense that God's not mad at you for not spending time with him. Whether you spend time with God or not changes nothing about how he loves you or accepts you. But spending time with God changes you, not God. So because it doesn't do anything for how God sees you, people are like, oh, I'm good. You know, 
I'm all right. You know, grace of God covers me. It covers you, but it does nothing about moving you to the next level, overcoming things in the natural realm. We have got to turn a corner here as a church, and we've got to start pushing in to this, the, the, this new level of prayer and then fasting. But a time in God's presence. And they were the only ones that gave Jesus a hard time. Because they saw their act of prayer as the qualification. Wow, we don't need that here. If Jesus didn't like it, I don't like it. But when you have true spirituality and true strength, you don't see prayer and fasting as a work. You see it as an expression of love and obedience, which has less to do with you and more to do with being in the presence of a God who's a rewarder. Let's stand on our feet today. I want to close, but I want to say this. You know, this church has done a lot of things. Some of those things have come really easy. I got a message from uh, Eddie Cardenas Jr. last night. He's arrived. He's having his first service or had his first service yesterday uh, with his church. And it's an amazing thing for a church our size to be sending out people into the nations, to be going to the nations. Last year, we sent close to 60 members of this house into international missions. I get pastors telling me all the time, how are you doing this? It's my faith in God. There are outreaches that we've been able to do. And a lot of churches have outreaches, but a lot of those outreaches people don't come to. Some churches put on an Easter outreach and they get nobody from the community. It's only people from their church. We go out into the park, we do any outreach, man, we'll have over a thousand people come out like that. We've seen miracles happen in this place. We need a miracle right now. In a little while, we want to pray for Kim Buster. Kim, just wave at everybody real quick. Kim's a member of our house, and recently she lost her grand, it was her grandson uh, who went to be with the Lord, and their family is mourning a tremendous loss. Today, before she leaves, we want to pray and just surround her with the grace of God. There's been areas that as a church, we've been able to overcome impossible things. But I've been dealing with this thing of getting a building for the last five years. And it's been a struggle back and forth, believing and speaking, sowing, sowing into other churches. We sowed a seed into the Philippines. Pastor Ferdinand is building a new community center. I said, we want to sow into that so that God will give us our building. We've been doing all these things, but what's been coming up in my spirit is this kind does not come out except by prayer and by fasting. And so what I'm asking us to do as a church, and, and I don't want this to be done. I know everybody's been fasting in January and they do that. And that's great. That's awesome. That's for you. I like to keep that for people to do for them. But in February on Mondays, I want to ask the members of this house and anybody that would like to, to set aside Mondays in February, I think the first one will be February 5th, not this Monday, but the next. To lay aside food those days on Mondays, just doing liquids, water. To pray and fast that this thing of not having a building will come down for us. We've sowed, we've given. We've done all these things and I come to the Lord and I say, why isn't this moving? 
And I hear the answer, this kind will only move through prayer and fasting. But I'm, and I'm not somebody that, you know, is always about, I don't like to put yokes on the church. I know there's a lot of church, they always do a church-wide fast and this thing and all that. And sometimes that could put a yoke on, on people. And then people end up cheating and lying about fasting because they just want to fit in with the group. I don't, it's, it's, it's not that. I don't want to ever make this that where, you, where you're just fasting to be included. But what I'm after is a revelation of a people that understand that if we would fast on Mondays in February, God will move this mountain for us. Fast from a prayer of faith. Fast from a prayer of believing that God's going to do something incredible for you. Now, one of those Mondays, I believe it's the almost the second to the last Monday or the 19th, we're not going to fast food that day. We're going to fast social media that whole Monday. And I don't want you to get up on social media and tell nobody. I'll see you all on Tuesday because I'm going on. So you all seen it. Just do it. And what I'm believing is going to happen, that not just through fasting, but fasting and prayer, God is going to release into our hands something that won't move until we do this. And the book of Acts chapter 2 says that something happened when they were all in one accord. So I'm believing and I'm asking that on Mondays in February, we're going to crack this thing open. But I'm going to give you some more teaching on some prayer and fasting next week to prepare us. Because there's a lot of teaching on that. If you need some, get on Jensen Franklin's website and get those messages on YouTube. Build your faith for that. I'm going to let him do that. But I have some specific instructions for how we're going to see supernatural things come to the house through these things. But I had to share this today so that we're doing it from the right place of faith. Faith in believing that every time I step in the, in, into prayer and into time with God, I'm expressing my belief in him. And I'm expressing that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And that when I stay away from his presence, you know what I'm expressing? That I don't quite believe he is who he said he is. And I don't quite believe being in his presence is going to do anything for me. We want to get that out and get his word in us. Hey everybody, Pastor Sergio here. And we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. 